Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. We are in an echoey back room under the Vogue Theater. I have one of the Zolas with me. I am Zach from the Zolas. And there's a good chance that Prince was in this room less than a week ago. Wow. I wish that he'd left a sign. Want to hear something incredible? In this room, I'm not sure it was this room. No, it was in the other room. We found Lucky Charms and, and Prince's Rider. And the Lucky Charms were on Prince's Rider. So it means we have Prince's Lucky Charms. So what are you going to save those for? We're not going to say them. We're going to bring them on stage and we're going to spread them. We're going to like throw them like fairy dust into the audience. That is an awesome plan. I think so. Hi, I'm Zach. I'm in a band called The Zolas and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. called the Zolas and you're listening to the interview show with Scott Wood. Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. We open the show with Not In My Heart. 
That's by the Zolas off their second record, Ancient Mars. I've got Zach from the band here with me backstage in the Vogue Theater, deep down under the stage. I would love it if you could talk a bit about that track. Not in my heart. Um, well, like the chorus of this song is like just a verbatim quote of um, this girl. Uh, 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 at the end of a relationship, I was talking to this to uh, my ex-girlfriend and could we work together and and it was sort of it was difficult and I asked her like how are things going and and she she said the like exact same words from the the chorus and I just sort of wrote those down and was like that makes a good chorus I'll I'll make that a song all right so Zach you and Tom you're the core of the Zolas you guys met in choir as young teens so how does a kid survive his voice changing in choir just know you just know that like what all the great things that are on the way like Sure, it sucks to have your voice change. All these changes with your body, they're, they're uncomfortable at first. But what's on the other end of it is pubes, which are, I think we can all agree, a good thing. <laughs> Sex in general. Shaving, which is like sort of a rite of passage as a man. All the things that we look forward to as young boys come on the, like, through the tunnel of your voice changing. Absolutely. So just, so just like hold on to that. I'm going to say sometimes... It makes it even worse to think about those things because you aren't there yet. I know. Well, you know what's really hilarious is I remember I had a girlfriend, like my first girlfriend when I was 13, and she was 15, and, and like she was Brazilian too. I met her on this exchange, and so I had no idea why she would wanted to date me because I was completely prepubescent. We hung out one summer, and then we were going to hang out again the next summer, um, and right the week after she left, I got my first pube, and I remember like looking at myself in the mirror and thinking like, Oh man, it's on. I got a whole year to develop. By the time she comes back here, I'll be shaving, I'll be a real man, and then I'll, you know, I'll have something to back up the fact that I'm dating this 15-year-old. Nice. I like how you had that all planned out in your head. Yeah, and then when she got back in a year later, I had about five pubes. <laughs> it was much slower than anticipated. Dang, that slow puberty. All right, so both of you, we're in a band before the Zolas. It was called Lotus Child. I was hoping you could talk about how a friendship survives a band implosion. The friendship survives because the band imploded. We just weren't having a good time as, as it became, you know, the band wasn't like, it wasn't doing that well and we didn't really like it anymore. And it felt like we were becoming more business partners in this failing business than friends anymore. So we just like, let's just be friends because at least we'll get that. If we stick with this band thing, then we'll probably still suck as a band and not be friends. Cool. So I read that you guys weren't entirely pleased with your first record by the Zolas called Tick Tock Tick. When it came out, you guys were saying that each of it sounded too much like the other guy. So how did you guys balance that out on this record, Ancient Mars? I don't know. You're right, though. Like I heard a lot of like Tom's influence in the first record, and he heard a lot of mine, and we were... We felt like we both compromised more than we wanted to. And this time, I really don't know. This time, I think maybe we just had more of a cohesive vision that sort of worked, we both believed in. And there were a few bands that we both loved that we could just point to and go, like, if it sounds a bit like that, then we're both happy. So, like, if it sounded like Ambulance Limited, we would know we would be happy. And if it sounded like, if it sounded like Spoon, then we would be happy. You're doing a great job of sounding calm. I know that you're a little bit frantic because you're worried about your merchandise. I'm not worried about the merchandise. It's all being... T- Did you see those strapping Norwegians who are selling my merchandise? They're incredible. They're, uh, they're going to be just fine. Um, 
I have to get, actually, I, oh, I know what you're talking about. No, I got Tom to go do that. So everything's fine. So the new record, it's called Ancient Mars. What does the title mean to you? It sort of implies pulp adventure stories from the turn of the century. Yeah. Um, I don't look at it that way at all, though. To me, Ancient Mars, well, you know how they used to, or scientists say that it looks like Mars was once, like it had lush vegetation and water and an atmosphere, like fast forward six billion years, you know, there's no evidence of that at all anymore except for like a few sort of smooth rocks where a river might have been. And to me, it's just sort of, I just liked how that felt next to the kind of relationships that we have in our lives. We have these little periods, like the, like the one summer where those three people were the most important things in your life, people in your life. And like they, are, they were everything optimistic and like, and exciting in your world. And then fast forward you know, two years later, you run into one of them at a grocery store line, and there's, like, nothing between you anymore. You're, it's a barren atmosphere. I don't know. I just, I liked how, I liked the idea of ancient Mars being, like, that beautiful place that you can't go back to once it's gone. Hi, I'm Zach. I'm in a band called The Zolas, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. <laughs>
called the Zolas and you're listening to the interview show with Scott Wood. Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard You're Too Cool. That's by the Zolas off their first record, Tick Tock Tick. I've got Zach from the band here with me and I'd love you to talk a bit about that track. I think You're Too Cool is about um, about how exciting it is that we are all so stylish now. And I say that I sound like I'm being sarcastic, but I, I, I'm not being sarcastic. It's really, I really love the way people look these days, and I like fashion. But what, I, what fashion really has been lately is sort of adopting little pieces of, of, of fashion that sort of were once associated with, with like real beliefs, you know, like a protest movement or, um, I don't know. It's essentially like, when you, you dress like something, you dress like a hippie or you dress like something. And I, I think like it's really great that we look so good, but I really wish that we would also sort of consolidate what we really, what we actually, what we do believe in as a generation instead of just what we want to look like we believe in. Nice. That's a track off your first record. I was hoping I could get you to compare the songs on that record with the new songs and the styles because you changed a little bit stylistically. Yeah, um, the the first record we just wanted to I wanted it to sound like um, like a Kinks record, like Lola versus Power Man, but for like the twenty first century, and I, we utterly failed at doing that. But I really wanted to we wanted it to sound like a band in a room, and when you're listening to it, you're listening to a band just like kicking the shit out of its songs, and uh, and in the new one we didn't want that at all. We wanted it to sound like a completely different space. Uh, we wanted it to sound polished and produced and <clears throat> and atmospheric in a way where like you might want to listen to this while driving at night or um, we were just we were listening to a lot more headphone music um, and so we wanted to make something that that sounded sounded a bit more like that. You've said that your record Ancient Mars sounds a lot like a Grizzly Bear if they sold out. <laughs> now in a minute I'm going to ask you to explain this quote, but while you explain the quote. I'm going to play some Grizzly Bear behind you. So what track should I play and why? Uh, while You Wait for the Others, because that, that song just ruins me every time I hear it. It's, so, it's just incredible. It's, uh, 
yeah, it makes me want to sort of spin gently and cry with, uh, with a big smile on my face. Nice. Okay, so we're going to be listening to that. And I'd love you to explain your quote. Well, we just we like we like the aesthetic of Grizzly Bear, and it could have been just the same with like Animal Collective. Like we really liked how Animal Collective made like really ballsy choices. Um, they still do with with their sounds and with their like arrangements and stuff. But they're like a real they're a real art band, you know, and we're a pop band. So we wanted to to make things sound aesthetically as cool and and unique as them, but um, but in the context of pop songs. And I mean, I don't think that it ended up that way. Really, but I thought it was a funny thing to say, <laughs> and it's true. I mean, I would love to hear what Animal Collective would. I love to hear Animal Collective now, but I'm in an alternate dimension. I would love to hear what they would do if they were like, okay, let's go sell out. Let's make like a top forty record. That would be super interesting. No, I agree completely. I love the quote. That's why I pulled it out. So you said on this record that you were happy that you could finally have the choice to work with people who make better choices than you. Yeah. So I was hoping you could give me a concrete example. Yeah, um, well, we were working with a, a producer named Chuck Brody on this album, and he was a guy who I just, I heard, he produced this album called, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a, by a band called Bare Hands. I heard it and, and, uh, and immediately like, really loved this, the decisions that he had made and uh, wanted to work with him, and we got a hold of him, and he was into it, and he did it. And knowing that he had made that record and also been in the room for tons of other like really, you know, sessions that I really respected, I kind of just, like, I was able to just, you know, trust him. And also with our musicians, like, we picked a drummer, like, I have my opinions of what drum beats should be, but I just, we just picked a drummer who I think is way, has, is more tasteful than me, has better taste, and, like, is if he likes something and I don't, then I can just go, okay, uh, you know, cerebrally, I know that uh, you're probably right. I was hoping for a more concrete example, like, maybe talk about one choice in drum beat that your drummer made oh, yeah. that you wouldn't have made. Oh yeah, totally. At the end of Observatory, he does this beat that has like the the snare moves. I wanted like a classic '90s like uh, like Pixies style beat, like um, and we tried that and it sounded great. But then he really wanted to do this different one, which I can't even really replicate with my mouth. Um, and I didn't really like it at, at first, but he really liked it, and so did the other guys. Were they were into it too? And so I was just like, I. I don't need to micromanage this. I'm sure I will end up liking it. And it's way more unique than what I would have picked. Okay, so Zach, you once compared your lyric writing to controversial author James Fry. He's the author of a book called A Million Little Pieces. So first, I'd love you to briefly describe James Fry, and then I would love you to tell me the biggest lyrical lie you made on this record. Yeah, okay, well, the... I don't really... Um, okay, well, James Fry, he wrote that book about... Um, it was a true story about... Uh, him recovering, like hitting rock bottom with addiction and then um, recovering and rehabilitating. Um, and it was a big, it was a big bestseller. Oprah like jumped all over it. She loved it. And, and then everyone bought it. And then it sort of came to light that he had embellished the shit out of it. And he, and, and, you know, used other people, like segments of other people's stories in it. And it was sort of more like, you know, fictional. It was more fictional. Um, than truth and he sold it on it being his story right exactly so what what he i mean he argued that he was just weaving together i mean he he didn't he basically like admitted it and like said you know my bad but he also said like i there is merit to what i'm doing i'm taking like real events that didn't necessarily happen to me or didn't quite happen the way that i'm saying they did um and i'm sort of 
sewing them together to make a story that sort of is more is hyper real, but but tells, but gets to the point a little bit more um, effectively than a, if you were to be totally loyal to the facts. And that's sort of what we do in, in what I do in my lyrics. Like I, I write. I write about situations that didn't happen to me or sort of stuff that happened to me, but did, but more my friend. And you sort of just like Frankenstein it together into something that's a new monster, you know? For sure, for sure. So what's the biggest lyrical lie that you told on Ancient Mars? Well, the, but the, I'm sort of, I'm telling you that I didn't lie. I, I, there are no lies. It's, it's all true stuff. And they're just sort of together. Um, they're just recontextualized, essentially. Okay, so right now you've toured this record, Ancient Mars, without Tom. I was hoping you could explain that in short. Yeah, Tom is a big-time producer now. I don't know if you've heard. Um, no, I mean, so, yeah, so Tom, he, he just has, like, a, you know, he's, he's found his real passion. Like, he loves the Zolas, but, like, some people really want to be touring musicians, and some people do for a bit and then don't. And, uh, and you know, I think Tom's more like the second second kind. Like, he... He loves what we do, and, and he loves being in it, but um, but I think he likes being at home and working with other bands a lot, so he's sort of splitting duty, and I mean, and we're, we're going to just keep going no matter what, so, um, you know, sometimes you'll see him at shows, and sometimes you won't, and that's it. So, I was thinking about this a lot today, and I had to ask you, how do you think your relationship to the songs has changed now that you're performing them solo when you guys are written them together? I, you know, I really like them the way that Tom and I played them. So I, we try to be as faithful to that as possible. I don't, I don't like as soon as he's. It's not like when the cat's away, the mouse shall play. I don't, I don't have any desire to like mess around with them and like sort of finally get my way or anything. Because like I've noticed like the songs that we collaborated the most on and that like where we went with something that. <clears throat> that I didn't really like at first, um, but he felt strongly about. Those are usually the songs that I end up liking for the longest. The ones where I that I wrote like almost completely and I got my way in every way. I I usually love those at first and then sort of lose interest. Great. Well, Zach, thank you very much for sitting down and taking some time with me tonight. I really appreciate that. At the end of the show, I typically let the artist pick, but I let you pick that Grizzly Bear song, so instead I'm going to choose the last song, and the song's going to be Observatory off your second record, Ancient Mars, so I'd love you to talk a bit about that as I bring up the music. Observatory is a song, um, it's another song where I like, I basically had three ideas that I wanted to put into songs, and they all sort of worked for one song, so I put them together, and to be honest, I'm really still not sure what that song's about, and maybe that's, um, maybe that's what makes it exciting for me, like I still can't quite put it together nice all right so we're gonna listen to observatory by zolas off their record ancient mars zach once again thank you it's been a pleasure hi i'm zach i'm in a band called the zolas and you're listening to the interview show Ah. and you're listening to the interview show with scott wood i'd love it if you could do one more hi i'm zach i'm in a band called the zolas and you're listening to the interview show with scott wood we broken web we're not allowed And found a station From a dead underground And there you kiss me As if goodbye On the dusty platform Like my train Yeah. 
Observe.